is up, my friends. Happy Tuesday. You are listening to another episode of Perfection Unfolding with me, Kara G. Um, wow, episode 11. How freaking nuts. How the hell are we? I know you guys love it when I ask you that every week because hopefully it makes you stop and think, hmm, how am I actually? I think about that often uh, when people ask me randomly on the street, how are you? I say, I like, kind of pause for about a split second and I go, actually, I'm good. And then they're like, yeah, me too. And I'm like, and I sometimes I'll hit them with the, do you mean it? And then they kind of like, you know, when people are like saying hi to you just to be polite and like, they're like, how are you? And they keep walking. I'm like, just say hi. And I'll just say hi back. Hi. That's it. Don't ask me a question if you don't mean it, you silly little goose. Okay. Anyway, oh my gosh, today we have a show for you. Um, I am starting past my bedtime tonight because I took a nap after work because of how tired I was. And then I procrastinated a little bit. I made a little bit of a dinner. The hours just soared by me. I thought because I worked on this week's episode a little bit last week that I would have had plenty of time. And alas, uh, there is still plenty of time. I'm just happen to be working past my bedtime and it's okay. It is okay. Because guess what? I told you I was going to show up. So here I motherfucking am. Hallelujah. That being said, some life updates. Oh my gosh. I know you guys missed me. Let me just tell you some more about my life, shall we? Um, first of all, thank you so much for the feedback on the show. Um, I have had several friends and even new internet friends reach out to me and tell me that they've listened to the show and that they like what I have to say and that like some of the things I've said have helped them. And honestly, like that's, that's my only goal. And I feel like I can, I can, I can quit now. I've already met my goals. (laughs) I'm done. Great. Um, in all seriousness, on all seriousness though, uh, this is pretty dope. I, I I don't know. I'm sharing all this on the internet for just because I can. And also with the hopes that it does help somebody, that it does reach my story, like my story reaches somewhere into the universe and like latches on to someone's brain and they're like, and that it just helps somebody in some way, shape or form. Um, And so far, like, it sounds like that's working, you know, my God. (laughs) Um, I'm obsessed. Uh, That's definitely going to be my gratitude section uh, here in a little bit. But for now, some life updates. So I told you that I was going to go on an artist date last weekend to Luna Luna, The Forgotten Fantasy, a spectacular showcase of the world's first, first art amusement park. And I went on Saturday and it was so fun, so cool, so quirky, so um it was just wonderful. I went obviously I told you I went by myself. That's the rule of the artist date. You go by yourself, nobody else, just you. Um some things I wrote about it, I said it was amazing. I loved my artist date. Uh it was so cool how artists just make things out of thin air. Like that was something that just kept blowing my mind. I'm like these people there's carousels and there's there's a, a Ferris wheel and there's like all these art sculptures and things like that. And all of this just creativity balled up into this thing 
this big thing, right? All these artists, um, featured artists uh, were Jean Michel. I do not know how to say his last name. Basquiat. Basquiat. I don't. I'm not French, bro. Okay. I don't know. He's super famous. Um, Salvador Dali, Keith Haring, David Hockney, among many, many others. And it was essentially like this amusement park that was created by artists for the public to enjoy art in this playful, creative way that was void of like elitism and um, and things like that. Like there was a lot of commentary on um, World War II because a lot of these artists were born um, before, during, after World War II. So like their parents were, you know, murdered. Um, and you know, some really, some, some massive tragedies came out, um, for, of the war. And like, these artists were speaking to like the fascism and stuff like that. And it was just like, there was literally a carousel where, um, Keith Haring's drawings, these like, these like humanoid icon looking drawings were made into chairs, like seats, like carousel seats that kids could sit on and in various different kinds of ways it was just cool like there was a swing um like the swinging chairs ride and i caught myself tearing up like there was a whole there are all these um these two photo walls where this one woman uh sonia i can't remember her last name she basically documented the whole process of like this carnival being this amusement park being created from start to finish like from the beginning where they were literally write, writing letters and reaching out to artists to be a part of it to where they're flying out to LA and New York and they're meeting with the artists and then the artists are building their their works in warehouses and painting and and then it's opening day and there's pictures of opening day and all the kids running around with like these little butterfly toys that they're handing out and there's all these perf- like um you know performers and like flamingo costumes and there's all this cool shit happening and this this amusement park was only open for three months or two months in the summer of um 87 so i think it was june 5th through august 31st of of 1987 so it was a very short period of time very short-lived like flash moment in time of this magical thing happening and it was uh put up in germany in uh, hamburg hamburg i don't know how to pronounce it and I was looking at all these photos, A, as a, coming from a photojournalist perspective, it like documenting history is just so dope to me. Like it's so important. And then B, just like seeing the joy in people's eyes and and um, all the happiness that all this artwork brought to just the public to enjoy, you know? There was even like, there was kitschy things. Like there was a, um, it was originally written in German, but there was this like theater where um, the symphony was it was a fart symphony it's so silly it was so silly and you probably couldn't get away with that today but like in the 80s you know anything goes right and it was a fart symphony and it was like it went but the whole thing was set up like on a re, on a real stage with like velvet curtains and there was a there was a um oh my god a maestro oh what the heck a conductor you know conducting the fart symphonies and, and then the, the the fart um you know, players or whatever you want to call them, uh, musicians that came out and they were like in their tuxes with their, their penguin suit tail tuxes. And, um, there's like video from that time of the audience laughing and it was cool to just walk around and just read about all these artists that I, 
I'm not super familiar with. Like I'm not super familiar with um, artists who paint and who make sculptures and stuff. I'm more familiar with choreographers and um, the history, the history of dance. So it was cool to immerse myself in this whole world. And I was kind of sad because back in the 80s, people were actually riding these rides. It was a real life, real life working amusement park. Um, and you can look it up. It was on the internet, Luna Luna Forgotten Fantasy. But I just wandered around because that's what my that's what my inner child loves to do. I just wandered around and I looked at stuff and I read every single thing that I wanted to read without the pressure of somebody following me around or somebody looking over my shoulder. I just gazed and took boat videos and photos and um and it was lovely um and also something i wrote in my notes i put um i love that there has always been people in the world speaking the same ideas in every time period whether or not their ideas are in vogue or not is the only is, has been the only difference like keith herring for instance you know he was speaking on accessible art back in the 80s like and honestly, like seeing videos of him, there was this documentary that was made, seeing videos of him, you could pick him, you could pluck him from the 80s and put him into today. He could dress the same, have the same glasses, the same hairdo, and he would fit right in. Like, I feel like people like that just never go out of style. And like, they've always been around. It's just that their ideas haven't been mainstream, you know, until now, right? Like he was some radical artist back in the day. And now it's like, people are like, yeah, duh. You know what I mean? <laughs> it just cracks me up. And like, I don't know. It was dope. I really liked that. Um, highly recommend. And also a plus of the day. Um, there was a lovely bodyguard out front. He saw me taking videos of myself because I was trying to make like, get some footage for making a reel or something. And uh, he was like, he was like, do you want to take a picture of you? I, I saw you taking videos of yourself. He's like, I can help you out. And I was like, oh, that's okay. He's like, are you sure? I was like, ah, come on. And so he, I think his name was Walter or Walton or something. Um, and I was like, I was, he was taking pictures of me and I was just like, how does one be an influencer in LA? And he's like, I don't know. I'm not from here. I said, me neither. He said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Texas. And I was this just really happy exchange. And and then he was like, do you want to take more pictures? He was like, I'm so bored. Please give me something to do. And I was like, you know what? Let's do a video. So I got him to like make this little six second video. I'm probably going to post it on my story at some point in the next couple of days. But um, he was so sweet. Like that was the highlight of my day, just interacting with, with him. And then also Will Smith was in the building. Like as I was about to leave, I kind of walk out of, I kind of walk forward out of this movie theater section uh, where they were showing the documentary. And lo and behold, there's Will Smith just standing there talking to some people. And I just thought, well, that's pretty neat. <laughs> and then when I walked outside, um, I went, I when I was talking to that Walton guy, shout out to him. I don't remember if it's Walton, Walton or Walter, but I was like, you know, Will Smith's in there, right? And he was like, oh yeah. And I said, that's pretty neat. And he was like, yeah, pretty neat. <laughs> So that was fun. So my Luna Luna Forgotten Fantasy experience um, was delightful. I think I spent a total of two and a half hours in there. There's two different sections. I don't want to give too much away because if you're going to go, you know, I don't want to ruin it for you. Like if you know me, I do not like when people ruin movies or ruin experiences. Like I want to go into everything blind so that I can have no expectation and be pleasantly surprised. And that's exactly what I did with this. And I was pleasantly surprised. Like another big thing about this is that it, you know, it has this German slash um, 
Austrian connection. And I don't know why, but I've always had an affinity for German movies, German culture, German events, like Austrian. I don't even know anything about Austria, but I just feel called there because all of my favorite movies growing up were filmed there, like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and The Sound of Music. And um, also, if that, that'll give you insight as to who I am and why I am the way I am. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. It was just this full circle moment. And I um, I really enjoyed it. And I just was so sad that I couldn't time travel back in in time to go and experience that in real life. But I got the, the next best thing, which was, you know, an art exhibit of the amusement park 40 years later. So it's just, it's half as good, but still still good enough. So the other thing I did on my art estate um, that I talked about was I went and got my aura, aura photo taken. And holy shit, like I'm looking at it right now and uh, it's not what I expected, but I also didn't expect anything. Like I, I've always wanted to get my aura portrait taken. And I went to a place called Origami, shout out Origami, hashtag not sponsored. I think it was in Chinatown in LA. And uh and I wanted, I've always wanted to get my aura, aura portrait taken. And last year, or I, I would even say like the end of 2022, I was probably like the happiest I've ever been. Like me and my ex were like newly in our relationship. And um, it's like the first time I'd ever experienced love like that. So it was like really beautiful. And I was like, damn, like this would be like a dope time to get my aura portrait taken. And I just never did. And then, you know, 2023 happens and all the stuff I've gone through happens and blah, blah, blah. And so I was curious to see if like my grief would affect my aura por- my aura portrait in any way and granted i don't have anything to go off of so it's like i would kind of be taking this this picture first and then later on once i've like healed and you know gotten through a big chunk of it i would i i wanted to see if it would look different but what's interesting what happened is that i got my portrait taken and it was very quick i mean you just put your hands on this metal thing and essentially you know this machine maps the energy fields, you know, of your body. And then it's printed on, and then it's given a color. Um, there's some, there's some software that like assigns a color to certain electromagnetic frequencies, currencies, I guess. And then from there, that's when it's printed onto the Polaroid. And then you get the Polaroid and, um, the woman bell at, or at origami, shout out bell, she sat with me and she gave me a um, a reading, like basically what my my picture and the colors mean. And um, mind you, I have always since I since I learned how to read my own aura back in 2020. This a guy, uh, the narcissist guy I dated, showed me how to do this. Essentially, well, I'll tell you in a second. I've I've thought that my my aura was turquoise. So every time I look at my hand, it's like this 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 activity you can do. Like right now, even with yourself, if there, you have like a white wall or like a plain wall near you, you can hold your hand out in front of you, and kind of like look at your middle finger, but like unfocus your eyes so that everything is kind of blurry. Like you can kind of your hand kind of doubles, and it gets kind of blurry, and then you just stare at that same spot for like thirty ish seconds, and then after after 30 seconds or a minute or two, and it takes some practice, you can see this kind of like light around your hand. It kind of, your hand kind of glows a little bit. And what I do is I kind of just slowly move my hand to the right or to the left and then watch like for the color to kind of trail behind my hand. It takes a lot of focus and a lot of concentration. And 
I thought up until this point, like I might've been insane. Like I've tried to see it on other people. It's just much harder to do. Um, and you can try it. It's a fun little trick. It's like, if you see a color dope, if you don't, whatever. Um, I like to do it every once in a while, like to see what, if my, my color changes, but my color, every time I've done that, since I've started doing this in 2020 has been this bright turquoise color. And so I was like, my aura is turquoise. And then when I did a shroom trip in 2021, um, shout out mushrooms, hashtag not sponsored. (laughs) Why am I doing that? I don't know. Um, when I did this, when I did the shroom trip, which I didn't realize until after the fact was a hero dose. I did a, I did a full hero dose. Like looking back, it was probably close to like four grams, maybe even five, even though I thought it was three. Um, but based off of what I've heard from other people, I'm like, there was no way I only did three. Like, and maybe I did only do three and I had a totally different experience, but it doesn't matter. The point is when I was on that shroom trip, I like had this experience where I was looking at, looking at myself in the mirror and uh, my whole body was glowing turquoise. Like all these different intricate patterns were just like ebbing and flowing through my body. This light pattern, it was bright turquoise. So I was like, yo, like my aura is turquoise. This is dope. And so when I went to get my aura t- portrait taken, I was like, I mean, maybe it's turquoise, but I'm open to it being anything. Like I've asked people what what color they associate with associate me with. And it's a deep purple or it's a magenta, it's a fuchsia. And a couple people have said yellow and I'm like, interesting, yellow. I don't, I would never think of myself as yellow, but you know, the way people see you is totally different than the way you see yourself a lot of the time. Like your outward personality might not always match your inward personality. My inward personality is very reserved. She's very chill. She's very like introverted. She's very, um, she's just likes to hang out with herself, you know, (laughs) she, she doesn't like to talk too much. She likes, she likes to sit in silence majority of the time um listening reading doing that kind of stuff but that's me now you know my inner self back in the day was like much more chaotic so i'm sure my outsides and my insides matched more who knows um so anyway so i went in here and i got my portrait taken and uh and when and bell the woman who worked at origami she was reading another girl's um portrait right before mine and the other girl's portrait was pink and orange and had all these colors in it and she was like yeah like you're you're not taking anybody's bullshit anymore and like you're trying to you're trying you're speaking up for yourself and then I was like okay cool 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 and as she was talking I was looking at the wall and there were all these other portraits that people had taken and I was just kind of looking at them and analyzing the different parts that I noticed and a lot of them were purple and a lot of them were orange and red and pink and all this stuff and um and then she gave me mine. And when she gave it to me, I kind of went, oh, because the majority of it was blue and there wasn't a whole lot of blue aura portraits. I mean, there were blue ones, but the way that mine looks is that, and I'm probably, I'm probably going to post a picture of this on my, on my Instagram again in the next week or so, is that I have a green, I have this like this horseshoe around the the first part of my head. And on the left side, which would be my right side of my face is green, bright green, which green is my favorite color, one of my favorite colors. And then on the the left, on the right side, which is the left side of my face, because it's it's backwards, is bright yellow with like little tiny tinges of orange at the on two different points. And then there's like another horseshoe around that horseshoe of just bright blue turquoisey. It's like a bright blue, but like as it bleeds into the green and the yellow, it looks kind of turquoise. And it has these little, like, they look like little bulbs in the blue, like little circles. 
And then on the, there's like a horseshoe around that. That's like this little tiny thin line of green. And then like the, the thing that, that I had the most questions about was like in the center of my chest, I have two balls of light, like two bright blue balls of light. And, um, and I asked the woman about this and, and she was like, oh, your heart and your throat chakra are wide open. And I was just like, <laughs> they are? you know, here I am thinking that my grief is like shutting me down and like, you know, making me, I don't know, bitter, but I guess that's just not true. Cause I guess I'm really not, I'm really not bitter at all. Like, and she basically was just telling me about myself. She was like, yeah, the green is your masculine side. Like your right side of your face is the right side of your body is your masculine. The left side of your body is your feminine. Your feminine is yellow. And like yellow is on this color chart she gave me. It says joyful, bright, cheerful, voluminous, enthusiastic, optimistic, intellectual, open-minded, fun. And then green is patience, firmness, perseverance, assertiveness, nurturing, attentive, responsible, dedicated, gentle. And and then the blue, she said, she said the green. Um, like it's very patient energy, the, the yellow, very joyful energy. It's very happy. She's like, so people are probably naturally drawn to you, um, with their problems and coming to you and like, you know, talking to you about the things that they struggle with. And I was like, I mean, yeah, but I kind of love it, you know? Cause she was like, you have a way of, she's like, you have a way of turning the hard stuff into like a joyful experience. Like by the time they're done talking to you, they come out of it with like this joy in their heart. Like, like it's not that bad, you know? And, and I was like, I almost started crying sitting there <laughs> talking to her. Cause I was just like, ah, I feel so seen, you know? And then the blue, she was like blue. She's like blue energy. She's like, that is, that is healer, healer energy. And I was like, fascinating. And she, and I was like, well, what do the bubbles mean? She's like, those are your manifestation bubbles. She was like, you're about to come into a lot of things that you've been manifesting. And I was like, holy shit. Like you can see in your auric field, like what you're attracting. And she was like, yeah. And so the blue is devotion, trusting, empathetic, loyal, expansive, sensitive, intuitive, peaceful, calm. And she was like, you have this blue above your head and you have this blue open throat and open heart chakra. And she was like, you're a person who is like, when you come into, into a uh, relationship with like, with struggle, with hardship, she was like, it's really not that big of a deal to you because you're not afraid of it. You're not afraid of like struggling. You're not afraid of hardship. You're not afraid of like dealing with problems. You're just like, it's a problem. Let's deal with it. Let's keep it going. And I was like, holy fucking shit. Like, <laughs> how do you know this? Um, and it's taken me a lot of effort and a lot of work to get there. But it's like the fact that I'm there, the fact that it's seen in my auric field, like it's undeniable, like un becoming undeniable has been so, like another thing that another mantra that I've been kind of low key implementing because when I say it out loud, it feels kind of, um, self-indulgent and kind of like a little bit cocky, but like the reality is, is like the more consistent I become, like I, I am, and I will be undeniable. Like there is no getting around that. And that is my goal. I want to be undeniable. Like there, I want to put in so much effort and so much work into what I'm doing because it's important to me that 
I don't even have to speak. People just know what I'm about. Like that is my ultimate goal. Like so that whatever I say, it just, you already know, you already know based off my actions, you already know it. My, my words just double down. It just, it just, it just fortifies what I'm already doing. And so it was just like, damn. And then she told me, she was like the green, that, that little, the little sliver of green on like the outer edge of my, the, the blue. She said, that's what you are currently bringing into your reality. Like, that's what you're focusing on. And I was like, bruh, like if green is my masculine side, like that is so true. Like right now I am doubling down on my patience, my firmness, my perseverance, my assertiveness, my nurturing, my attention, my attentiveness, my responsibility, my dedication. Like that is what I'm doing with my morning routine. That is what I'm doing with my podcast, with showing up, with like meeting myself at the, at the, at the table every day, not letting myself slack off, like, like reminding myself that I'm only cheating myself. Right. Oh, I just like, I just feel like this is totally not, I didn't have any expectations, but you know, in the back of my mind, I've always resonated with like a purple or I've always resonated with, you know, like these, these deeper colors, but I'm a motherfucking Skittle, bro. Green, yellow, blue, turquoise. Like it's just so watery and it makes so much sense. Like, again, everything is everything. Like it aligns with my cancer rising, my water energy. Like I have a lot of Scorpio in my chart. I have a lot of just nurturing empathetic energy coursing through my veins. <laughs> and the fact that it's just seen and felt before any, before I even open my mouth, that makes me so happy. I'm going to cry. Oh my God. And I just look at this picture with so much awe and I just look at it and I'm just like, oh my God, like you, your little open heart center, your little open throat chakra. Like, I'm so proud of you, girl. Oh, she's such a cutie girl. Oh. So those are my life updates. Um, oh, and the last one is that I am 10 days st- straight on my morning routine, waking up at six o'clock, if not earlier, like just because my body wakes up because I'm going to bed at 10 o'clock, which I'm going to bed later tonight. So tomorrow's going to be rough, but I'm still going to show up. And if I have to take a nap after work, that's fine because everything I already needed to do is already going to be already going to be done. Like I'm 10 days straight waking up at six, uh, writing in my journal, three pages, my morning pages, 20 minutes of sweat. And so I've been actually weight training. I've been weight training again in my room. So, and it's not chaotic. Like I finally built out like a schedule. I'm going to do a push day. I'm going to do a pull day. I'm going to do um, a glute day. I'm going to do a hammies and, and quads day. And I've been researching and I've been building out my own little template and I'm going to, I'm doing the thing I'm planning. I also, oh my God, another life update. I also, um, finally like got a notion account for free personal use to organize all my shit. Right. Like I've been using everything. I've been doing everything in Google docs and like a physical planner. And I finally was like, you know what? I've heard a lot about this notion thing. Like, let me just see what it's about. Because I'm, I am on this like this journey of being in my masculine energy of being organized of be, becoming my own best partner with the strategic planning. I'm not good at strategic planning, you guys. I am terrible at that shit. I'm terrible at planning. I am a day to day, moment to moment, like ADHD girl. Okay, but I'm but I I know that I can do more than that. I know I can do better. So I downloaded Notion. So for all my organizational girlies out there, bro, they have so many built in templates. 
there's one for workouts. I went in there and I wrote, I put in all the books I've read and you can rate them and put the author's name and put links to the, to buy them, the books that you want to read. Like, bro, I'm about to change. I'm about to, once I get organized, it's over for all you, all you bitches, all you hoes. Just kidding. I love all of you. No matter if you're a hoe or a bitch. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like really proud of myself for doing what I said I was going to do, showing up to this podcast over and over and over again, which leads me to my gift of gratitude section. So you know what it is. If you're in a seated position, find your tailbone, get nice and get nice and cozy. I'm on my bed. I'm crisscross applesauce. I am sitting up nice and tall. I want you to take a couple deep breaths. Let's do three, three big breaths together. Here we go. Inhale. And exhale. And inhale. And exhale. Last one. And exhale. Ooh. All of my breaths are in my shoulders right now because I am just way too excited. Every time I start this podcast off tired, I always end it like super energized. And I think that that's a tell that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. As a matter of fact, I know that's a tell, but I know what I'm supposed to be doing. So I hope you take a second to think about the things that you're grateful for today. And if not today, then right now. If not right now, then in the in the future or in the past. And um, yeah, and now that you're back, <laughs> um, some things that I'm grateful for, even though my life update sounds like a big list of great gratitude, which it absolutely is. Um, I'm grateful for myself. LOL. I've been showing up for myself in some big and small ways recently, but I'm most proud of my consistency. I just spoke to that. Like 10 days, bro. Like when have I ever done 10, something for 10 days in a row that up to this caliber? Like I'm doing everything, all my self-care before I even go to work. Like this is the routine I've been dreaming of for a decade. Okay. And I'm finally in the place to do that. And to that, I need to, I need to give all credit to sleep, bro. None of this is, is possible without sleep. I'm going to be dragging ass in the morning because I've been going to bed at 10 PM every night. And then I'm going to bed much later. Like it's already 11 my time. And, um, and I'm going to regret, regret that, but you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to let that throw me off course. No, I'm not. No, I am not. Today was a rest day. Tomorrow, I'm going to have plenty of energy. And if I don't do my workout in the morning, which I am, there's always the afternoon. But I'm going to do it in the morning because I love getting shit over with in the morning. Not to get it over with, but to know that it's done. To get it done. Not to get it over with, to get it done. I like knowing that it's done. That I can count on myself and go into my planner and check off my box that I made. Because I put boxes in every month, every single day for my whole journal. At least, at least up until the next, I think I did at least up until May. Let's see. No, I did it up to my birthday <laughs> in June. I'm a June baby. I put, I put three boxes every single day up until June. It says 20 minutes read, 20 minutes write, 20 minutes sweat. And I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 days 
And I'm going to do that every single day because guess what? If I can write in my journal for 107 days as of today in a row, then I can work out for 107 days in a row and I can read for 107 days in a row because I can do anything I set my mind to because it's just me. It's my job. No one else's. I can, I will, I shall. Thank you very much. So I'm grateful for that. I am also grateful for, like I said before, I'm grateful for feedback on the show. I said, oh my God, so many sweetie girls have reached out to me saying how much my words have helped them. Um, I said, I do not take that for granted. My goal is to help y'all by sharing my story and my experience. And when it does, I know I've made it. So thank you. I do not care if it's just y'all forever. I got you and I'll keep showing up for the both of us. Turn up. I'm grateful for showing up because I said I would. I'm also, again, I think I said this whole list. I'm great for good quality sleep and going to bed before 10. I said, let me tell you, I wouldn't be accomplishing any of this without my newly implemented 10 p.m. bedtime. Turn the fuck up. Also waking up early, doing my 2020. Yeah, like, bro, I just, it's just all gratitude over here. And honestly, the one thing I will say about this new morning routine, like, and it's not to be like obnoxious. It's not to be like, I'm better than everyone. It's literally like, I'm so proud because I cannot even stress to you enough how I have been thinking about this for 10 years. <laughs> I've known. I've known. No, I'm reading a new book. I'm reading a new book. I've known what to do for as long as I can remember, right? Knowledge is quote unquote power. However, I'm reading a new book. I started it today. It's called The 12 Week Year, and it's all about execution. And one of the first things it says, I'm only on page like 15, so I'll, I'll get back to you on that. One of the first things it says in there is knowledge is in power. Execution of knowledge is power. And that's what I'm trying to do in this phase of my life, which also it's no coincidence that for my astrology girlies, Pluto went is moved into Aquarius and not Capricorn, right? <laughs> Pluto has been, it's Pluto was like the planet of like destruction and like, um, uh, reconstruction and like you know removing facade anyway the planet of struggle basically or showing you what you need to work on and pluto has been in my has been in my uh my descendant my house of of relationship in my seventh house because i'm a cancer rising right so pluto has been in my house of relationship since 2008 right i saw a tiktok today that was talking about this is a side this is a side rant my bad a tiktok today was talking about if you have never been in if you've only been in a relationship between 2008 and now and you've never been in a relationship before then then you have only related with pluto in your house of relationship you've never known you've never not struggled in a relationship up until this point i'm like bro no wonder so i'm just excited that like and i'm talking about relationship in today's episode so that's why it's like so like everything, it just comes together so beautifully. And I just love that. Um, I forgot what I was talking about. Jesus, too many, too many rants. I apologize. But the main point was I'm reading this new book and it's all about execution. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to execute on the things that I've known forever. And I feel like I finally, finally have the energy, the focus, the time to to do that, to do exactly that. And so I'd be doing myself a disservice if I did not take advantage of this auspicious time in my life. 
Like, am I making the money of my dreams right now? No, I'm not. Am I living in the place of my dreams right now? No, I'm not. But guess what I do have? I have respect and I have time, especially in my work, which are like, I have like three things that I need in my work. I need respect, time, and money. And as long as I have two of those three, I'm usually pretty good. All three is ideal, let's be honest. And all three is the goal. But for right now, I have time and I have respect and the money is paying my bills, so I'm a happy camper. Um, and that brings me into speaking of relationships and Pluto and Capricorn and Aquarius and all the astrology things. And um, today I want to talk about how to repair in relationship and why it's important. And I want to talk about this because <laughs> recently um, I got in a tiff with one of my coworkers. Um, I'm going to talk about that um, in a little bit. But I want to talk about this because, and I'll, I'll get into my personal thoughts. But the main point is that, like, I the, the whole reason we're here, I think, is to relate, right? We're here to relate to ourselves. We're here to relate to our friends. We're here to relate to our family. We're here to relate to our romantic partners. We're here to relate to every person we interact with, like, just so we can experience the full spectrum of, of human emotion, right? It's really hard to to experience the full spectrum of human human emotion just by yourself. It's not impossible, but it's just I just don't think it's as juicy or as like fulfilling when it's just you, right? Like when you're around people, when you're relating, everything is amplified. Love is amplified. Joy is amplified. Happiness is amplified. Peace is amplified. And in the same, you know, you flip the coin, the same thing is done, you know, with grief. Grief is amplified. Sadness is amplified. But, but like, that's like kind of the point, you know, to all of this. I keep saying everything is the point, but like everything is everything, if you really think about it. And so I want to talk about, I want to talk about not only how important relationships are, but how important repairing relationships is and how that is like the, the tool learning how to repair in relationship is like the only tool you need to have healthy happy relationships it's how you build intimacy it's how you build trust it's how you build it's just how you build the foundation it's how you it's how you keep the love alive it's how you keep the relationship intact and healthy and fulfilling and happy and so i wrote something for you guys again and i'm not going to do a super big deep dive but i am going to give you step-by-step tools on how to repair some examples of what it looks like to fight and repair with somebody with somebody you care about and just some just some just some fun quirky little thoughts and we will see where that leaves us hopefully it leaves me in bed at a decent time but it's all good i'm here for you and that's all that matters so here we go i have a million things to say on the topic of relationships I personally think relating is the whole point of all of this being alive business. I think being in relationship with self, friends, family, lovers, nature, heartbreak, grief, love, joy, animals, you name it, is the whole point. I think relating to all that is, is the point. Like, that's it. Now, that might sound a little woo-woo, or... That might sound like a simplified version of an intuitive truth you've always secretly felt. Either way, it's my truth, or at least a truth I choose to believe. I believe we are all love personified, 
But in order to know we are love, we come here to Earth's dense reality to experience contrast on purpose, to experience what love isn't, to be able to know what love is. This might sound convoluted at first, and again, a little woo-woo, a little woo-woo spiritual, but it's a philosophy and belief that has drastically changed the way I relate to everything and everyone I've come in contact with since being introduced to it by a book that rocked my shit back in 2020. Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. I won't get into the details. I won't get into detail in this episode, but if anything I've said so far has resonated with you, read this book. Read all three of his books if you feel called. All this to say, when you equate when you equate the whole purpose of being alive to relating and being in relationship, especially with the main goal of experiencing yourself as love personified and in turn everyone and everything as love personified, it changes the way you show up in the world. It turns your judgment into curiosity, your fear into compassion, and your hate into gratitude. You begin to develop a respect and reverence for everything and everyone around you. And when this happens, it becomes increasingly difficult to be quick to anger and throw relationships away at the first sight of hardship, disagreement, misunderstanding, or even the fear of getting hurt. I think our current self-help culture, though it has done wonders in many ways, has failed us by serving us self-obsessed, faux, quote-unquote, mental health by only focusing on ourselves, serving ourselves, and cutting off any person who questions us, annoys us, or disturbs our peace. Now, I'm not saying that we should stay and work through shitty relationships with people devoted to their shitty behavior. What I am saying is that we need people, and people need us. And that is the point. If we were meant to do this whole life thing alone, then it would have just been us on the world, hanging out, all alone. If we were meant to do this whole thing alone, then it wouldn't feel so good to be around the people we love. Love in general wouldn't feel so good, but it does. That's why we're all so obsessed with it, why we're always looking for it, and when we find it, we hold on to it for dear life. But that's also why it hurts us so bad when we lose it. Everything is a balance. That's just the way it works. And it doesn't matter how much healing you do on yourself or how much you actualize as a person or do the inner child work or how big you build the business. All throughout your journey here on earth, you're going to meet all kinds of people. People you love. People you could do without. The through line is relationship. And how you choose to relate and with who will in a lot of ways, define the quality of your life. The best part is that you have full control on how you show up in relationships, especially the ones you want to hold on to for dear life. And the one and only tool you'll need to maintain healthy, happy, intimate, and fulfilling relationships is the tool of repair. They say a good relationship can be measured by how well two people fight. And to that I say, nay. <laughs> the longevity of a healthy and happy relationship can be measured by how well they fight and repair. Fighting is inevitable. Fighting and disagreements can be counted on in relationship. And again, I'm not just talking about romantic relationships. I'm talking about your relationship with yourself, family, friends, coworkers, strangers in the street, you name it, this rule applies. 
How does one acquire the skill of repair and relationship, you ask? By, you guessed it, relating. How fun. In my experience, I took the solo route of healing all my inner turmoil, self-hatred, self-sabotage, anxious attachment wounds, and inner child trauma. I purposely didn't relate to men slash boys, specifically for a half decade after high school because I thought I, quote unquote, have too much shit baggage to work through. Um, So let me work through it first and then I'll be ready for a relationship, end quote. Although I look back, although I look back on the time, on this time and think, oh, sweet baby, you needed that time. Thank you for giving us space to heal. And also agree that 2020, 2013 through 2018 Kara was onto something with the whole don't give your shit to someone else to deal with, you know, perspective philosophy. It makes me audibly laugh thinking back to a time where I genuinely thought I could walk into a relationship with a man ready to love without conflict because I did it. I was healed. Oh, how naive I was. <laughs> the reality is, the only way you can practice what you've learned through your own personal healing is by relating to others. Being in relationship is the real test of your healing. It's where you're most vulnerable and where your triggers are brought to the forefront without warning. This is where the real work begins. Yes, you can accomplish so much healing alone, and I'll always advocate for that as a first step. But when the opportunity to relate comes into your life, especially romantically, expect it to humble you real quick. It is not for the faint of heart, because loving and being vulnerable are two of the experiences in life that take the most grit, the most tenacity, the most patience and kindness and compassion, if you want to experience it in a healthy way, in the most aligned way. And that, for me, is and always will be the goal. No one wants to live out shitty relationships holding on to crumbs of intimacy and living in resentment for not having your needs met or even asked or even asked about in a relationship. We desire ease and peace and communication and intimacy. We desire to be seen and heard and deeply known. This is where the tool of repair comes in to save us from ourselves, from our egos and our conditioning and our unhelpful self-sabotaging patterns that keep us stuck in cycles of resentful, hurtful relationships that keep us reading new books with the same plot of our last failed romantic endeavor. Ah, So that's what I wrote. I'm sure that there's, there's probably a part two in there somewhere, but I want to just end there. Um, on personal thoughts and get into an example of a fight and and repair situation that I found myself in last week that I was going to talk about last week. But again, there was so much going on with the inner child stuff. I just had to throw that up so I could throw this up. So <clears throat> let me set the scene of, of my own personal experience and why repair is so relevant in my life at the moment. First off, let me start by saying I did so much repair work in my last like romantic relationship. Um, a lot of self-soothing, a lot of like talking myself off th- down the ledge. Um, but this is an example of like how it's like it's like a true example of a miscommunication with with a friend slash coworker where I had to actively like, I knew I was in the, I knew I, I, I took a hundred percent responsibility for my, my part. 
after a couple of days of being a victim. And then we came together, we had a conversation and we repaired and now we're Gucci. And this is like, I think this is a perfect example too, because we're just, we're just coworkers. You know what I mean? We're just friends. Like it's not like this, it wasn't this big, massive deal, but I think it's a great example because it's so low stakes that it's easier to practice. Right. I mean, there's still some high stakes, like when you get in a fight with a coworker, obviously like it can make your work environment very uncomfortable. Um, you know, there might be some animosity that builds up and then maybe something bigger happens down the line, which Loki happened to me at my last corporate job, like my last nine to five job. Um, I ended up just like totally me and my coworkers just iced each other out like hardcore. And I guess neither one of us felt the desire to repair. So, cause I knew I was leaving anyway. And that's, it's shitty. Like I wish, I wish I would have shown up in a, a better way because that's just how I want to show up. But you know, it is what it is. And it's fine. You know, we've both moved on. We've both moved on with our lives. Um, but in this situation, like I work here, I just got here. Like you, you can't just start a new endeavor with a freaking, you know, I don't know, nemesis or whatever, which people you, you care about and love, like turn into nemesis so easily without repair. Like you have one misunderstanding and the next thing you know, like you don't talk to somebody for years. It's bizarre. Um, Unless that friendship is just not meant to be anymore, in which case that's fine, you know, but if it's a friendship that you still want, you still want around, then you, you have to do the work to repair. And so that's what this example is. It's a, it's a, it's an easy example to, to digest and to comprehend because it happens so often. Whereas I think a tiff with a parent or a sibling or a romantic partner might be a little bit deeper. There's a lot more wounds there. Um, you've known them much longer. It might be harder to practice just because of the heaviness and, and stuff like that. So here we go. Let me set the scene. So last week, my coworker and I got into a tiff. Tiff being short for tiffination. He's a coworker who is uh, most similar to me, i.e. we have similar triggers and sensitivities. And, um, and note, I've been, when this happened, when this tiff happened, I have been grieving and going through a period of massive heartbreak and transition in my life. So I have been extra sensitive. And I take full ownership of that in looking back on this this event with hindsight, with 2020 vision. Um, and I also want to make note that I have been around a bunch of men all, every single day, all day, since I've been out here. Okay. And that had been wearing on me at this point. At the same time, so that's like my background. So my background is like, I've been grieving. I've been going through a period of kind of like struggle. I've been adjusting to, I'm adjusting to my new place, space of living with a bunch of people, adjusting to being around mostly men all day. I work in an office full of men. I live in a house full of men. There aren't a lot of women that I have to share ideas with or to just, just chit chat about being a woman with, you know? Um, and it's been wearing on me. I'm like my, everything in my life is in transition at the moment. So it's like, it's a lot. So that's, that's my background, you know, as all this was happening. And also I was on my period. Okay. So just double down, just just stab, sh shoot me through the heart. You know what I mean? You could flick me or look at me in the wrong, in the wrong way, in the wrong direction. And you're going to make me cry. Very, just very on edge. Um, and so setting the scene for him at this point, like he's got a lot of his own stuff going on. Like he, um, he has a bunch of like creative odd jobs outside of work. He's got like this new, like situation happening with the girls, you know, he's trying to work through his own anxieties with. So he's on edge. 
mind you, everybody in our office, they're all jokesters. So everyone's always joking all the time, which you know me in jokes. I love a good joke. I love a funny joke. Okay. If a joke's not funny, a joke's not funny. Okay. And I'm in an office full of men and they're always like, you know, joking. And sometimes they take it too far and they hurt each other's feelings, but they would never admit that. But like, then I walk in, I'm like, why are you hurting each other's feelings? That's, that's annoying. (laughs) And then I'm just the one being annoying. So that's kind of the scene. And so but I want to talk about, so that's like where we are in our headspace as this divination unfolds. But I want to also make note that our normal demeanors around each other is usually we're joking, we're laughing, we're goofing around. And I put in here like, mind you, um, him and pretty much the rest of the dudes I work with uh, directly or, you know, adjacently live or hang out at this, at our house, the house that I stay in pretty much every day. So like we are always in close quarters all the time and everyone pretty much knows everybody's business. And normally it's usually all love and it's all jokes, but sometimes, sometimes those jokes hit a little too close to home, especially around me. So it's like, again, I can, I can kick it with the best of them. I can be one of the boys. I can laugh. I can he, I can, I can ha ha. Um, but sometimes they just be joking and it's it's just like, damn, like, why are you trying to hurt my feelings like that, bruh? And so this particular day, I don't remember what day of the week it was, but on this particular day, um, my, this coworker, he joked about a subject that hurt my feelings and I had called him out on it. Um, but I had done it in like a meanie girl way. Like he had said something, he had made fun of me in some way that like, that like hit my he had said something like we had had some like conversations about like some of his girl problems and I was giving him some advice and in this moment he joked around about how like he said something like I didn't give him good advice or something and like made a joke of it and said oh like so and so gave me better advice ha 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 and for whatever reason in that particular day that like any other day, I wouldn't have given a shit about what he said. I would be like, oh yeah, that's hilarious because you know, I I give the best advice, you know, or something like that, like something stupid and quippy. But on this particular day, I just, I did not have all of my, like my gumption and my wit about me. I just was like, so sensitive, I guess. And he said that and it like immediately triggered my like, like, oh, you think I'm an idiot wound. You think I'm dumb, you know, and it hurt my feelings. And instead of usually my normal reactions nowadays, because I'm, I'm a mature adult, I'm healed, I have all these tools I can access and at any given moment, whenever I'm feeling triggered, normally I would have just like, you know, if in this triggered state, I would have like eaten it. You know, if I was feeling super sensitive, I would just want like, damn, that hurt, that hurt. I know I didn't mean it, but okay, it's fine. But in this particular day, I was just, I just, I had it up to here, like my eyeballs, like up to my eyeballs and like just stress, I guess, and sensitivity. And so I quipped back at him and I made this terrible, vulgar, vulgar joke, making fun of him. Um, I don't know, uh, his relationship with one of his friends. And I, was, I don't know, it was just mean. I can't remember exactly what I said and nor is what I actually said important, but the main takeaway is that I said, I basically quipped back at him and I was just like, you know, like, well, if I don't say blah, 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 then you and I just said something mean, just as mean, just as petty that poked him back at his wound just as bad. 
and it wasn't cute. It wasn't pretty. I'm not proud. Um, and I yelled at him. I yelled at him and I demeaned him in front of our other coworker. And that was very uncool of me. But <laughs> again, my, I want to say my normal because it's my new normal. What I did in this moment of like quipping back at him and being mean and like demeaning him back at him, that is like an old behavior that I used to do when I was a kid. Like think sibling behavior. Like me and him have very much so a sibling energy because we have similar um, tra- like traumas, like similar wounds um, in terms of like self-esteem and stuff. I've worked through a lot of my wounds that have to do with that. Um and so I, but I see them in him, you know what I mean? And he recognizes them too, but he's working on his, his too. So like we, we are both aware of that we're both sensitive in similar ways. And so like we have this camaraderie with each other, but it also means that we know how to, we know how to hit those buttons, right? Like a sibling would. And so like, this is like an old behavior pattern that like, for whatever reason, I let his behavior conjure up in me and bring it to the forefront. Like a way that I would have fought back with my brother or my sister is like how I like fought back with him. And it was like so gross. Cause I was just like, damn, like this still lives in me, bro. Like all this work I've done is for nothing, bro. That's fucked up. And so, and so, okay. So like, even if that would have happened in, in my normal, if I was in my normal capacity with my normal wits about me, with my normal healthy, like I've been taking care of myself energy. Even if I would have quit back at him, I probably would have, normally instantly apologize like i'm so sorry i didn't mean that but for whatever reason in this instance i was i like i just i turned my chair around and i was like i don't want to talk to you like i iced him out right like this old ass behavior that i just i can feel myself partaking in but i just at the in the moment i just can't do anything about i'm just i'm just so angry at this point and so instead of immediately apologizing um like the way I, the, the current version of me ideally would have, I immediately fell into an old pattern I used to engage in with my family when I was a kid. I iced him out. And guess what? He followed suit because guess what? He has the same trauma, you know? So it's like, no shit. So he's not going to apologize. I'm not going to apologize. We both stonewalled each other. We turned our backs to each other in the office and then we went about our business. And then we spent the next three days ignoring each other i'm talking we didn't even acknowledge each other's existence when i never i didn't even acknowledge his existence when he walked into the room he didn't acknowledge mine like it was like that level of stonewalling and mind you up until this point we had been chilling like we had been chilling villain we had been having some good conversations like i'm a very earnest person so it's like i don't joke around like the jokes don't usually come from me like whenever i'm joking around it's usually a riffing a bit that somebody else has right like i'm i just I've just learned that I'm just an incredibly earnest person. Like if you say something, I believe you, you know, <laughs> you know, this, I don't know. Like I speak my truth. Like I don't, I don't like think of ways to make people feel uncomfortable. Like I want everyone to be happy and chilling all the time. So like, if I'm saying something to you, it's usually like earnest and it's usually a compliment. It's usually, or it's, if it's something that's painful, then it's usually like a painful truth. That's going to, that I hope helps you in some way, you know? I'm not going out of my way to tell people about their business, but if they ask, you know, so up until this point, we have been chilling, you know, like we, like my earnestness kind of brings out the earnestness in the people I'm around, which is beautiful. I love that because it starts conversation and it builds trust and intimacy and friendship and, and it's beautiful. Like, I'm glad I can bring that to the table, especially in a group of men who are always just like joking around, you know? Um, 
so yeah so up until this point we were we were like chilling like a villain like chopping it up joking around um and i the reason why like i was so hurt is because i thought i was making a friend with him and the rest of the boys in the crew and i was like that was the truth i was making friends but because of this instance because it hit a wound in me that was so deep and so old my bruised ego made up a whole story about how rude he was to me and how I wasn't going to engage with someone who was that, who was going to, was mean to me like that. And I thought how I thought I kept thinking to myself how much better I thought I was than him. Cause I would never make someone feel like shit the way he made me feel, which plot twist. I'm literally, I'm literally doing the same thing to him. Like I'm literally making him feel like shit for, because I yelled at him and I iced him out, which guess what? He has a wound of being iced out because that makes him feel like, He's, you know, I'm literally making him feel like he's dead for like to me, which is fucked up. Like who does that to people? And all of us do it to a certain, at a certain point, you know, if it's not icing people out, it's something else, you know, it's, it's just so, so silly. So I made up this whole story that like, you know, he was mean to me. And so I wasn't, and all the advice and all the conversations we had didn't mean anything to him. And so I wasn't really making a friend and, you know, and good riddance, you know, that was like my yeah good riddance like my energy like how fuck that's so shitty um but the truth is you know as i look back as i looked back on this on this situation like we both fucked up and and knowing that he's as sensitive as me he just might not show it as obviously like i'm a very sensitive person i wear my shit on my sleeve and i know that he's a sensitive person and even though he might wear his stuff on his sleeve like he's probably not going to show that all the time he's a dude he's got his own stuff to work through you know but I know that he's that sensitive. So with that knowledge, you would think, you would think I'd be a little bit more compassionate. But the ego's a strong, powerful little bitch, isn't she? She sure is. And she is going to protect you at all costs. So if she thinks that there's danger afoot, if she thinks someone's trying to not be being a fake friend, she's going to be like, no, chop him. Chop and screw him. Um, the truth was, you know, we were we were becoming friends. We just took things we just took a joke a little too far and I didn't have the capacity to handle the situation in the way that I wish I had. And that's the truth. Like we he he said a joke, I didn't have capacity to to get the joke, nor did I have the capacity to respond the way that I wanted, nor did I have the capacity to, you know, emotionally regulate in the speed that I wish I could have. Like it was a very slow process because he hit such a deep deep wound and I want to just emphasize like in relationship and no matter what relationship you're in your triggers are not going away okay you just get better at dealing with them <laughs> i'm sorry to say but your triggers will always be there you can't your, your wounding is always going to be your wounding right but you can develop a different relationship with it through different tools like you can reframe what happened to you like what we talked about last week you can um you know take the shame away from it you know so that does so that when people do poke at it it doesn't poke it doesn't hurt so much and apparently i still have this this event showed me that i still have a lot of work to do in the people don't think what i have to say is important wound area you know and that comes directly from my father like that is a father wound which I have healed a big chunk of my father wound, but then little stuff like this pops up and I'm like, interesting. This is what would come up for me if I spent more time relating to my siblings, 
right? Which I don't see my siblings a whole lot. So I don't have to deal with this very often because different relationships are going to bring out different triggers in you. And don't you love that? It's like, you're always playing a game of like, who am I really? (laughs) But it's painful, you know? Um, So uh, after three days of going, after three days of ignoring him and convincing myself, that's just how things are. That's just how things are going to be from now on. Literally so dramatic. I woke up, um, I woke up one day when I wrote this, this was like a week ago. So I wrote this on uh, Sunday. I mean, Monday. So this happened on Sunday last Sunday. So I woke up Sunday, the fourth day, the fourth day after icing him out with my heart pounding and a knot in my throat. Mind you, the first three days of ignoring him, I felt fine. I slept like a baby. I woke up fine. But that fourth day, for whatever reason, was the day that my body decided to have anxiety about what was going down, about not showing up in integrity the way that I wanted to, about being mean, about icing him out. It just felt so like shitty and gross. Like it wasn't a sustainable way to keep going. And once I feel like that, like there is no going back. Like I have to have a conversation. And I let, I let that be my guiding light. Like if I feel that kind of anxiety, like I need, like my throat gets kind of tight. Like I need to speak my truth. I need to live in integrity. Like that is my, that's how I know what I need to do. Maybe you have some signs like that for yourself too. Um, So I wrote in here, I'm surprised it took almost four days to happen. But at this point, I knew I had to have a conversation with him. I knew I had to apologize, but also speak my truth. And not in an obnoxious, you owe me an apology kind of way. I need to be the person to rip off the band-aid and start the combo with love and compassion because that's a skill I have. And it's important for me to show up in the way I most desire. To show up in integrity. Literally. That's that's exactly what it did. I, I was like, you know what? I could live with this, you know, it's a choice, right? It's like, you know what? I could follow my patterning and just let this live in my chest. I'll do what my family always did. I'll just, we'll ignore each other for a little while. And then one day someone will make a joke, we'll laugh and everything will be fine. And just totally skip over the repair phase. Because that's how, that's how quote unquote repair works in my family. You just act like everything's fine. You go off your own separate ways. You come back, pretend like nothing happened and Bada boom, bada bang, you're your best friends all over again. Which I've learned in adulthood. It's not how things work. That's not how things work. <laughs> Nothing ever gets repaired. That wounding is still always there, which is probably why I reacted so negatively when he was joking with me the way that my brother would, right? Because my brother and I and my sister and I, all three of us, none of us have ever really apologized for anything we ever we've ever done to each other. Which I mean how many sibling groups have, but that's not the point. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is to live in healthy, happy, repaired relationships. <laughs> Me and my siblings are cool, you know, but we could definitely be better. And we'll get there. We're getting there slowly but surely. Um, so I, I wanted to show up in integrity. The combo lasted. So oh, this is what happened. So basically the, the morning that this happened, because we live in the same house, I woke up, I was super anxious, like heart pounding, throat, tight gut swirl up in knots and I took like three or four big breaths and I was like let me just let me just go fucking do it I'm not gonna think about this I'm just gonna go fucking do it because you know I know I know him and whoever else is in the living room so it's like I'd have to walk by him ignore him again and then like it would just be a whole thing so I was like you know what fuck it so I took a couple deep breaths I gathered some courage and I walked into the living room I said hey 
are you free to have a conversation? And he immediately said, yep. And I was like, perfect. Like that's like the hardest part is getting, is like not getting rejected. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause like, what if they were like, no. And I mean, that would make, that would make the decision for you, right? Like they would have decided for you that like, oh, this relationship is over, which never feels good. No matter, no matter what the stakes are, no matter if they're a coworker or a romantic partner or whatever. So he immediately agreed. And it was like this unspoken rule that like, okay, we both know what we're about to talk about. And we walked outside and went on the porch. And the first thing I said, and I don't, I didn't plan this. This is just kind of what flew out of my mouth. I said, I don't want to be your enemy. <laughs> and then we both sat there in like silence for like three seconds. And he was like, I don't want to be your enemy either. And I was like, good. I'm glad we can agree on that. Dope. <laughs> and then I just went in and then I just went in and I just talked about like, I talked about the impact of what he said and how it made me feel and what it brought up in me and, and all the stuff. And then, and I, then I took full responsibility of like, of, you know, my mental health. Like I wasn't in a good place to be joking around. Like, and I apologized for the things that I said to him. Like, that's not how I want to show up. And, you know, and he apologized to me cause he, he didn't want to have that impact. And then, and then it was just like, and it was good vibes. Like that, it was so simple. I said, sorry. He said, sorry. I took ownership of my actions. He took ownership of his actions. And that was it. And we repaired it. And we literally, we literally hugged it out. He was like, you want to hug it out? I was like, yeah, that's fine. You know? And so, and it was just like, so simple. Like it, the conversation lasted maybe, maybe a minute and a half. And it was like three days, almost four days of icing out each other, being, being victims, like blaming the other person for like the hurt. It took... 30 seconds to repair. And now we're, now we're Gucci. No qualms. That was it. Just a misunderstanding. How fascinating is that? Like, that's how powerful repair is. And I wrote in here, I said, um, the convo lasted a total of maybe three minutes. The first thing I said was, I don't want to be your enemy. And the best part was, even though I had all this fear that he was going to double down on his silent treatment, um, but the silent treatment he was giving me, um, or maybe he would say something hurtful. He literally just responded by saying, I don't want that either. From there, I told him that, I, that I'm sensitive and that I'm not going to dish out hurtful jokes to him. And I hoped he would, he would return the favor. We ended the convo with a truce, a few jokes, and hugged it out as homies. Literally such a small interaction. Um, we could have let turn into weeks, months, and years of bitterness, all because we were too scared to repair. But instead, with a little courage and humor and humility... We're homies again. Mind you, I just met this person. I owe him nothing and he owes me nothing. But because we live together and we do care about each other, even if only at the level of acquaintance, I would have been living out of integrity. I would have been living out of integrity if I would have let myself convince myself that the black and white thinking of I'm right, he's wrong was the best course of action, which it's not. Repair is important in every relationship you care about following a tiffination, an argument, a fight. They say your relationships can be measured by how well you fight, but what's really being measured is how well you repair. Fighting is inevitable in friendships, romantic relationships, in families, and in every other relationship you can think of. Fight, it's promised. But if you can learn how to repair, no matter what the stakes are, with strangers all the way to your life partner, I can promise you, you will live a more fulfilling life. One with integrity and even stronger love than you could have ever imagined. And I stand by that. Like, that is the truth. That is the power of repair. Like, 
bro, you can do all things to repair who strength that strengthens you, who strengthens you. <laughs> like, it just is what it is. Like, it's just such a simple thing because it's two people coming together, like laying their arm, like literally bearing their hearts, being in re- vulnerability, being in humility, apologizing, and taking full ownership of their shit. And then making a, a plan for a path forward to like to be successful in relating in as in moving moving onward. And so what I did was is I made a three step process for you. It's like a th- three steps with like little mini, mini steps here and there of how to repair. So this is going to be our deep dive, our deep dive, which is literally just like to the tune of Delilah, but like different, you know. If you caught that, I caught that last week and I was like, whoa, <laughs> that makes me laugh. Um, so our deep dive is on how to repair. Get out your notebooks, get out your writing pad because I'm going to give it to you. I made these steps up. I did not Google them. This is from my own experience. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. But I think, listen, this is what I do to repair my relationships. And it's worked for me every single time when the other person met me in that same energy, right? It doesn't, it only works if both people show up to the table willing to do this work. Like you can't repair a relationship by yourself. Like I, I do apologize, but that's not how it works. Um, however, if you're both willing to stand in vulnerability, humility, and maybe even a little bit of humor, um, this will work for you every time. So how to repair step one. Check yourself and assess the situation. This is a massive, this is like massive part of this work is where are you at in the situation? What are you contributing? How are you being helpful? How are you being hurtful? So under this, check yourself and assess the situation. I put take stock of what was actually said. An example of this, did they actually call you stupid for disagreeing with you? So did they did they actually call you stupid for disagreeing with you on a topic you're passionate about, or were they simply sharing their opinion in a conversation? Mm, I'm very guilty about this one. Me and my last partner had several conversations where either I would be triggered or he would be triggered about politics or religion or, you know, hell, Kanye West. Like we once got in a tiff about Kanye West. <laughs> that was that was mostly my bad. I'm not gonna lie to you. Mostly my bad. Um, but like I was triggered because I thought he was calling me stupid, you know, and like, because he wasn't totally agreeing with me. And, and that was before I could hold space for, for contrast and for, you know, two opinions at once. And, you know, like before I, yeah, that, that was an early on in our relationship when I was still practicing relating, you know, which is the hardest freaking part and it never stops. You all, you're always learning more about yourself when you're in a relationship. And, um, I learned that like, I had a hard time holding space for people who, who disagreed with me because I didn't have a, a good sense of what I actually believed in. Right. So it's like, isn't that funny how that works out? So that's like step one, you know, step a one, a whatever. The next thing I said, I said, notice what, notice what wound was poked. Right. And this is like, so as soon as you hear that thing, or as soon as that person does that thing that just like, oh, gut punches you, I want you to sit and I want you to think about what did they actually poke at you? 
for instance, for me, a big thing is like, I've had a dumb complex my whole life. So, so naturally, like when people, when, when people say like, when certain things are said to me that, you know, maybe they disagree with me or maybe like I brought up a point and they like totally dismissed it. Like I have this thing where like, oh, they must think I'm stupid. Oh, like they must think I'm dumb because there's a part of me that like still weirdly believes the thing that that I'm stupid that my teacher told me in like the third grade, you know, they didn't blatantly say I was dumb, but they also didn't say I was smart either. So, so that's like my own personal wound. So it's like, notice what wound was poked. This is where do you feel it in your body? Can you pinpoint the last time you felt that feeling? How old were you and what caused you to feel that way? Right? So for me, where do you feel that in your body? Usually in my chest. I usually feel it in my chest or like instantly in my gut. Like it feels like a gut punch. Can you pinpoint the last time you felt that feeling? I last time I felt that feeling was in the 7th grade when, you know, Mrs. Williamson embarrassed me in front of the whole class for not knowing something or whatever. Like it could just be anything. So I was about 12 years old. How old um so pinpoint the last time you felt that feeling? 7th grade English class. How old were you? Um and what caused you to feel that way? A teacher you know, not putting me in AP classes when I wanted to or getting switched from pre-AP algebra in the seventh grade to regular algebra because I made a 74 on my sixth week report card instead of a 75, you know, that shit just kind of sticks with you. So that's like, you know, step one, step B, um, notice what wound was poked. Step one, step C, get clear on how the comment or action made you feel. So what was the impact the comment or action had on you? Not the intention, but the impact. Like, how did it actually impact you? Um, and then I said, what old wounds did it bring up in you? That you don't, um, is it that you don't feel good enough or that you feel stupid, etc.? What old wounds did it bring up in you? So this is get clear on how the comment or action made you feel. What was the impact the comment or action had on you? And what old wounds did it bring up in you? So the impact is that, um, you know, when somebody, when, when my partner disagrees with me on a, you know, a topic, the impact is that it, it, I feel stupid. Like, I feel like you don't value my opinions, that you don't value my mind, that you think I'm an idiot. Like, that's the impact. That's the trigger that's being brought up because that wound's being poked, right? That's the impact. That might not be the intention. Their intention was just to share their own opinions. It's not their fault that I can't hold space for their opinion because my wound is so, it's like overcrowding my brain, you know, and then I'm spiraling. I'm having this whole emotional spiral. Like that's the impact. The impact is that they made, like they didn't make you, but their words triggered an old wound in you that sent you into a spiral, right? They're not responsible for the spiral, but, but their words impacted you in a steep way. That's, this is like, important. Like how did it impact you? Uh, step one, step C, anchor yourself in the truth. Is what was said or done an action that needs to be addressed because it doesn't align with how you want to be treated or spoken to? Or did you blow it out of proportion in your mind because you were triggered? This is a good, Again, anchor yourself in the truth. Is what was said or done an action that needs to be addressed because it doesn't align with how you want to be treated? 
i.e. did they step did they cross a line right did they say something that went that, that crossed your boundaries did they do something that crossed your boundaries or were they just being normal regular and you were just triggered in this like heightened emotional state in this heightened emotional way because of an old wound right another uh another thing um i said this can be tricky if you're just starting out on your self-development journey learning your upper limits and your triggers but when in doubt ask questions so knowing the difference between somebody crossing your boundaries and you blowing something out of proportion what i'm speaking to can be tricky if you're just now getting to know yourself and your triggers on your self-development journey however if you're far along your journey you're well aware of your wounds this will be much much easier to decipher and again if you're not sure by anchoring yourself in your truth this is when you can ask questions you can ask your partner questions you can ask them hey did you mean to do this? Because this is how I felt when you said this. This is how I felt when you did this. And hopefully 10 times out of 10, your partner's like, absolutely, that was not my intention. I am so sorry that it impacted you in that way. How can, what can I do to make this better, right? That's the goal. So those are all, those are all the steps and the sub-steps in step one, check yourself and assess the situation. You, oh my God, like, this is like the most important part of like when they say pick your battles, like this is the part like, first of all, I hate that expression because I don't want to pick any battle. I don't want to go into battle with anybody. Right. I don't want to fight at all, period. However, like this is the part of the work that you do internally to, to get you to the point of knowing whether something needs to be addressed or not like that's the last step in step one is like anchor yourself in the truth does something need to be addressed like and even if and even if they didn't cross the boundary maybe you do need to address it because when you share these things with your partner with your friends with your family when you share the parts of yourself that are wounded and like you show the person that you love and care about like how what they said in their actions, how that wounded you, like how that poked at your wound, then they can know you better. And then you get the satisfaction of being known and they get the satisfaction of knowing how to relate to you in a more peaceful, aligned way. Like these people, the people in your life aren't supposed to want to hurt you. They're supposed to want to love you. So any information they get, they're they're going to be grateful for, period. That's how intimacy works. So that's what vulnerability is. It's like how it operates, right? <clears throat> so step two, address the situation with love, right? So this is when you go from self-assessment to, okay, this is what I came, this is this is my conclusion of how I reacted. I want to bring this to the table, not because I'm, I want to scold anybody, but just because this is my truth, right? And so the first thing I said under address the situation is, Take 100%, 100% responsibility for your reaction. This is the number one thing you can do without doing anything else in order to show up in, com- in conversation ready to repair. It takes you from the blame game mindset into a love and solution oriented mindset, ready to state your experience regardless of what they say, right? So this is taking 100% responsibility for, for your reaction. You can only do this if you do step one, right? If you're not aware that you even reacted in a way that you didn't want to react to the trigger or that it was, you were feeling the way you were feeling because of the trigger. If you don't have any awareness, then you can't fix the problem. You can't be solution oriented until you're aware of the problem, right? 
The problem is you have this big massive reaction, either them or you. It doesn't ma- it doesn't matter who you think is more right or more wrong. You both take responsibility of of what happened, of your side of the of the equation. <clears throat> um, I said once you've done the back end work, working with yourself and what exactly happened, where it came from, and how it happened, you can then call a meeting with your loved one to address what happened. This might include an apology for any behavior you might have acted out in your triggered state. So remember last week we talked about the child mode and the adult mode? Child mode comes out in your triggered state. So, And when you're in your triggered state, like I said last week, that inner child throwing hands, throwing throwing heart, hurtful words, like any of that stuff could be happening. So maybe that happened to you. So this is where the apology would come into play. When you take 100% responsibility for your actions, you apologize for the way you showed up. If you showed up in a way that was unlike the way that you wish you had. And I said, uh, we're not all our best selves when we're triggered. It's okay. Progress over perfection. Admitting when we're not our best is a baby step. Is baby step one. And it means the world to your partner um, when you take ownership of your side of the fight. And, or in other words, when you sweep up your side of the street. You know, you're both doing your part to clean up the neighborhood, right? <clears throat> So, and then, and you know, step two, step B, um, tell your person the impact their behavior had on you using I statements. Now, this is like the cliche you see in therapy and movies or TV or whatever all the time, but this is so true. Like when you take a hundred percent responsibility for your actions, you, you, then you speak from your experience because you can only know your experience. You can only know your partner's experience when they tell you their experience. You anything else that you if anything that you say that puts them in blame, you you're making that up. You you don't know. All you know is how you felt. You don't know what their intention was. You don't know what they're what they were thinking until they tell you. And that's just how it works. You have to believe people when they tell you things. And if you're in a relationship with someone you can't believe, then you're in the wrong relationship. <laughs> so the steps: uh, tell your person the impact their behavior had on you using I statements. The foundation of a relationship with someone you love is built on trust and intimacy. Those two things can only be created by sharing your truth with that person. The truth being the fun and the unfun stuff about you. This is where intention and impact come into play. Let your partner slash person know how their actions and or words impacted you because of your past traumas and wounds, while also acknowledging that might not have been their intention. Right. So this is where you tell your person exactly the things that you, the conclusions you came up with when you did your self-reflection, when you checked yourself and and tell them how it impacted you. Tell them exactly how it impacted you, but also acknowledge like with a very simple I, this might not have been your intention, which I assume it wasn't. However, intention and impact are different and it, 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 these words and actions impacted me in this way. And I've said verbatim exactly that to the people that I love and care about. Like and I've said, I even said in that tip that I have with my coworker, your intention versus your impact, totally different things. I understand that like, and I assume that you're coming from a, a place of like love and, and compassion, but in the moment, like I couldn't feel that because you were hitting a wound that like hit so deep that like it impacted me in a totally different way than you intended. So, you know, and he apologized for that and I apologized, you know, whatever. And it just like, bada boom, bada bing. It's beautiful. <clears throat> I said, <laughs> um, 
um, I said, note, abusive relationships aside, it is good to assume your partner slash people have your best intentions at heart, making it easy to anchor yourself in the truth that your people aren't ever trying to hurt you. If this is not the case, run for the hills. Again, when you're anchoring yourself in the truth and you're thinking about the impact that it had on you during your check yourself session, the assumption, it's assuming you're in a healthy relationship where you both love each other and you want your your best, you you have your best interests at heart. The you have the one thing you assume in that relationship is that they have your best interest at heart. Like that is the anchor of truth. Like that is the truth that you anchor yourself in from there. However, if that is not their intention, then you need to figure that out very quickly, and you need to get out of that relationship as soon as humanly possible. I don't care if it's your parents. I don't care if it's anybody. Like, no. Like, we only have time for people who have our best intentions at heart, period. <clears throat> We're not doing abuse in, in 2024. No mo. No mo. So step two, step C. Um, meet your person in curiosity, okay? If you have more questions, ask them what their intentions actually were, right? Because... You could think that their intention was one thing, right? In your ego brain, right? And their intention was something totally different. This is a time where you you hear them out and you you listen, right? Because at this point, because you've checked yourself, right? You your emotional wave is over. I, it might it might take you an hour to check yourself. It might take you a day to check yourself. Either way, I also think it's good it's good relationship repair hygiene to set a date when you when you do want to meet when you do want to meet back up and have a conversation. So it's like there's two different kinds of there's well there's probably a million different kinds of fights but the two that I can think of specifically in romantic relationships are when your partner triggers you and they have no idea that they triggered you and you pretend like everything's fine and then you go off and you ruminate and you think 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 and, you think, and then you blow up at them later, right? The check yourself portion comes comes when you're doing all the thinking, right? That's the check yourself, right? When sometimes they don't even have any idea that you're battling these demons with them. You're fighting with them in your head, right? They have no idea. And sometimes they don't ever have to know. Sometimes you can check yourself and you can anchor yourself in the truth of like, they were just being regular, normal people. I blew that out of proportion. Like, I don't need to bring this up. I'm going to journal about it and keep it moving. And then other times you have like an actual argument where like you're both present and they said something that, that was kind of hurtful and you said something that's kind of hurtful and you both go off in your own separate ways because that's how you, because you both process individually. Like, and in this point, this is when you check yourself and you anchor yourself in the truth and you decide we need to assess the situation together. So that's when you make a plan say, hey, I'm going to go do this for an hour or a day or whatever. And we're going to meet back and we're going to talk about it. Like always set a plan to come back together because if you don't, you know, God forbid you both have like these abandonment wounds, you're going to think that the relationship's over. And like, how sad would that be that you both go to like the nth degree of, you know, the most detrimental place your relationship could go just because you had one little tiff, right? That's sad. Like always keep your partner in, 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 in the know. And, and that takes practice too. Like having the humility to like pause in the middle of your anger and be like, give me 10. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to come right back and we can talk about it. Or Let's sleep on it. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Like you, if you love somebody, then, then give them that, give them that communication. Like that's so loving. It's so helpful. It takes a lot of humility and a lot of vulnerability, but it's worth it. If you care about 
repairing this relationship. It's going to mean so much to the people you love. Um, and again, it takes practice. So practice, practice, practice. Practice makes better practice. <laughs> um, so this last one, meet your person in, in curiosity. Um, if you have more questions, ask them what their intentions actually were. Maybe they were trying to playfully banter with you or cut the tension on a serious subject that rubbed you the wrong way. This has happened to me. I'm saying all this from experience. Okay. <laughs> um, this is the time to give them the floor to explain their side. This is also a chance for them to take full responsibility for how they showed up in the conversation or in their actions. Maybe they apologize for their impact on you and validate your feelings of hurt, even if that was never their intention. Right? This is this is where the true repair comes into play because this is where they can maybe they had no idea. Maybe they had no idea how they impacted you. Because you're normally a person who kind of people pleases and fond responses, not speaking from experience at all. Oh my god. And you kind of just eat you just eat it. You just eat it because you think that you're crazy for having feelings. You think you're crazy for for thinking the things you do and have having the feelings that you have. And so you just eat it, you eat it, you eat it, and then it just eats you alive, and then you just explode in these weird, obnoxious ways, and they're they're totally caught off guard, right? That's what we want to avoid. This is this is the point of repair, and in repair you have to be honest. Do not like don't sugarcoat your truth. I'm not saying come at your partner with all this aggressive energy and like they didn't know. What I'm saying is be radically honest with yourself. And be radically honest with your partner. You owe it to both yourselves to be radically honest. Because like I've said to many, many, many people, if you're not playing all the cards in your deck, how is the other person supposed to play their best hand? You know what I mean? When the whole point is like, you're playing this card game, you're like, you're, you're a team, you're working together to like get this result. I don't know what card game you're playing because I don't know cards that well. So maybe this analogy is falling flat, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, don't cheat, don't cheat them out of out of a fair game. Right? Because it's really, it's really a dance, is what it is. You know? Why would you hide your best moves from the person you love the most? That's so silly. And your best moves being your most vulnerable truths. Because that's what builds intimacy. That's what like vulnerability builds intimacy. It builds trust. If they can't trust you to play all your cards. They're not going to want to play with you anymore. Nobody likes to play with a cheater. Even if that wasn't your intention, mm -hmm, that's the impact withholding your truth has on your partner or your person or your friend or whatever. So meet your person in curiosity. Ask questions. Step three. It's the last step. Make a plan of action on how to navigate similar situations moving forward. This seems very like simple, but this is the difference between like having the same argument over and over and over again and not having the same argument over and over and over and over again. <laughs> like this is where you get to set boundaries. I said in here, the people who love you don't want to hurt you. So making a plan on how to navigate a similar situation in the future is a no brainer. This could look like creating boundaries on a certain topic. Like maybe we just don't talk about that certain thing until you, maybe you've worked through it or maybe whatever. Uh, this could look like not joking or playing around with certain sensitive topics. So not only is it not 
talking about a subject, but maybe we just, maybe we can talk about it. We just can't joke around about it because that's painful, you know. Um, maybe this looks like creating a secret code word for when either of your feelings get hurt, where you both drop what you're doing and hug it out or something. Like I've heard, I've seen videos on the internet of people who have like a secret like tap, like they'll tap their partner on, on the shoulder at a party. And that means that the partner is like ready to go home. And so like they drop what they're doing and they just leave. It's something, it could be something as simple as that. Like, like just some secret code word, some secret language, some secret, like, you know, a tap on the shoulder or like a brush on the arm of, hey, what you just said kind of hurt my, it's like a known thing that you've discussed prior, like that hurt my feelings. And then your partner, whoever would know, like, oh, let me drop it. Or I'm so sorry. Like, let me move on. My bad. I crossed the line. Right. It's so, so simple because again, the people who love you do not want to hurt you. Right. So whatever boundaries you put in place, like they're likely to want to follow them because they want to have a healthy relationship with you. And if this is not the case with your partner or with your friend or with your family member, I stop, stop relating to them. (laughs) Hold space, but at a distance, you know what I mean? Like if they're causing you all this pain, bro, like just reassess. Like sometimes you're allowed to take time off from people, you know? Um, I said in here, um, the last thing I said, this plan of action could be anything. The main objective of this practice is, um, that both parties feel heard, seen, and validated in the communication of their experiences and that a clear path is paved for moving forward. Amen, sister. In conclusion, all of this sh- all of this sharing takes vulnerability and patience, but at the end of it, you'll find so much more intimacy and trust is built. Because now, not only do you feel seen, heard, and validated, but your partner, friend, colleague, family member, etc., can trust you to tell the truth, to tell your truth, which heals all kinds of other wounds that lots of people, especially of the anxious variety, deal with. And that is how you repair in relationships, my friend. Step one, check yourself and assess the situation. Step two, address the situation with love. And step three, make a plan of action on how to navigate similar situations moving forward. The people who love you don't want to hurt you. So making a plan on how to navigate similar situations in the future is a no-brainer. Literally, I'm like kind of obsessed. Like maybe I should make a blog with this on my website. Oh my God. Um. Hopefully that helps you and shed some light on like a real practical tool on how to repair. Because I tell you what, you can take all of this and apply it to, like I said, friendship, family, colleagues, uh, romantic partners, but you can also do it with yourself. I mean, if you feel like going that deep, which listen, go for it. Like check yourself and assess the situation. Like did you just say something that hurts your feelings, bro? Hmm? Take stock of what was actually said. Notice what wound was poked. Get clear on how the comment or action made you feel. Anchor yourself in the truth. Do you actually feel those things about yourself? Or are you just regurgitating an old program that was put in there by somebody else? Hmm? Good questions to ask yourself. Maybe you stop saying those shitty things to yourself in the mirror. Hmm? Maybe you start saying nice things because you're talking to little you. And you're talking to adult you. And why would you ever say those hurtful things to a little you? That's fucked up. You wouldn't say that to a kid, would you? And if you would, ooh. <laughs> you're not part of my demographic. Gross. Um, 
Address the situation with love. Apologize to yourself. Say, I'm so sorry that those words impacted you. I'm going to do my best to talk to you better. You know, tell the person, tell the person the impact their behavior had on you using I statements. I felt really hurt when you said, like, you're just talking to yourself in the mirror. I do this all the time. I don't care if it makes me seem crazy. It fucking works. Sing love songs to yourself to to apologize. Like, say affirmations to yourself in the mirror. Like, it's just... And step three, make a plan of action on how to navigate similar situations moving forward. Tell yourself, make an action plan with yourself. Right? Like, it's you can apply this, this how to repair with every kind of relationship. You can even do it with your dog or your cat. Do they speak English? No, but they speak energy. And I know if you apologize for how the words you said to them, if you were being in a cranky mood, they would be like, I forgive you, mom, thanks. I appreciate you. And so with that, I'm going to leave you with some affirmations. I didn't write a whole bunch, but I wrote enough. Um, super to the point. And again, I invite you to hear these for yourself as I read them for me. I love sharing the tools that help me. I create loving relationships that fill my cup. I love being love personified and seeing that reflected back to me in every being I meet. I choose to repair in relationships that are important to me. I have the courage to repair relationships that are important to me. I can do hard things. I love you. Thank you. And with that, that is another episode of Perfection Unfolding with me, Kara G. <laughs> um, as always, rate this podcast on Spotify. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you found this valuable at all, send this to a friend who you think could use it. Like, send this to your boyfriend. Send this to your grandma. Send this to your mom. Send this to your dad. I mean, Jesus. I should send this to Bob. Shout out, Bob. Love you, Bob. Send this to your siblings. Send this to, like, your situationship who you keep fighting with because you were not clear on the title of where you want to go. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't do that. That's that's probably not going to end up well. Anyway, I love you guys. Thank you so much. If you want to write into the pod, email me at perfectionunfoldingpod at gmail.com. I would love to answer any questions you have. Send feedback. Follow the Instagram at Perfection Unfolding Pod on Insta. You can follow me at Kara G. Campbell on Instagram or follow the podcast on YouTube at Perfection Unfolding with Kara G. That's all for this week. I will talk to you again on Tuesday. Okay, bye. <laughs>